Hey, good morning, and welcome back to A Verse, A Comment, A Prayer, A Blessing. Today is February 16th, 2024, and we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Uh, these verses read, When the Philistines captured the ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to the house of Dagon and set it up beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. But when they rose early on the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both his hands were, were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priest of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. The hand of the Lord was heavy against the people of Ashdod, and he terrified and afflicted them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. And when the men of Ashdod saw how things were, they said, The ark of God, of the God of Israel, must not remain with us. For his, hands, for his hand is hard against us and against Dagon, our God. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, What shall we do with the ark of God of Israel? They answered, Let the ark of the God of Israel be brought around to Gath. So they brought the ark of the God of Israel there. But after they had brought it around, the hand of the Lord was against the city, causing a very great panic. And he afflicted the men of the city, both young and old, so that tumors broke out on them. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. But as soon as the ark of God came to Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, They have brought around to us the ark of the God of Israel to kill us and our people. They sent, therefore, and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it return to its own place, that it will not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly panic throughout the whole city. The hand of God was very heavy there. The men who did not die were struck with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Now some extended comments on this passage this morning. So in this morning's passage, we get a glimpse into how the Philistines were interpreting their victory over the Israelites. After capturing the Ark of the Lord, the Philistines brought it into the temple of their god, Dagon. Uh, as one Old Testament scholar noted, the comparatively small Ark is brought as a trophy of victory. Um, and it points to Dagon's victory. That's the idea. This comparatively small ark is brought as a trophy of victory, pointing to Dagon's victory. In other words, the Philistines believed that their triumph of the Israelites was because of the superiority of Dagon, their god. But as the story continues, we learn that what seemed like victory over the god of Israel was actually a defeat. Once the ark of the Lord was in Dagon's temple, the people would come to the temple to worship in the morning. On the first morning, the Philistines, uh, the Philistine people, the people of Ashdod specifically in this region, uh, came into the temple and they find Dagon lying on the ground, face down before the Ark of the Lord. 
Initially, it would appear that uh, the people didn't really understand the significance of finding their deity face down in his own temple before the Ark of the Lord. So they, they just set him back up. They put their God back up, um, I guess on his pedestal, or set him back up um, in the temple there, and they went on about their day. However, the next morning, they come into their temple, and they find Dagon's head and hands cut off, <laughs> fallen down uh, again. Now, Dagon's fallen and dismembered state can only signal one thing here. The Lord has killed him. Thus, the point of the story is not really the victory of the Philistines or Dagon over the Israelites, but rather the victory of the Lord over both the Israelites and the Philistines. Hence, we remember this question that the Israelites were asking back in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 3, which essentially said, what has, or why has the Lord allowed us to be defeated? And the answer is the reason He's allowed them to be defeated is because they did not regard Him rightly. They sought to use the Lord's presence for their own ends, but soon learned that the Lord would not be manipulated. And in the same way, the Philistines kind of learned that same lesson. But here, their lesson is only a partially learned lesson. They learn that the Lord is greater than Dagon. Yet tragically, instead of turning away from their idol worship to the Lord, they persist in their idolatry and their, their solution instead of repentance is send the ark of the Lord away. And, and herein lies one of the saddest realities about idolatry is that it blinds us to reality. We might think to ourselves, uh, if I'd have been a priest of Dagon and walked into the temple to find our deity dismembered uh, on day two at the threshold before the Ark of the Lord, then obviously I would have abandoned my idolatry. Yet that is not what the Philistines did. Instead of repenting, they sent the presence of the Lord away. As I think about this story, it, it reminds me of Jesus' deliverance of the demon-possessed men in Matthew 8, 28-34. If you go back and read that, you'll see what I'm talking about. According to Matthew, when Jesus came into the region of um, Gadarenes, he was confronted with two demon-possessed men. Jesus delivers these men. He delivered the men from their possession and cast the demons into a herd of pigs in the region. Now, you would think that the people of, of Gadarenes, themselves likely tormented at times by these demon-possessed men, would rejoice in their deliverance and proclaim their faith in Jesus. Yet this is not what happens. Instead, even after witnessing Jesus' defeat of the evil spirits in their midst, what do they do? They beg him to leave their regions. In a sense, we see something similar in the Philistines' response to the Ark of the Lord. What should this teach us about the presence of the Lord? This should teach us that the presence and the power of the Lord can be perceived in different ways by different people at different times. For some, the presence and the power of the Lord might be viewed as a blessing, as a welcomed reality that brings salvation and deliverance in the victory over uh, the forces of evil. Yet for others, the very same presence brings great destruction. This is surely the case among the Philistines in the Gadarenes. So I want to ask us this morning to consider both the blessing and the danger of the presence and the power of the Lord. And I want to, oh, I want to stress this. The, the Lord will 
not be manipulated. He will not be used as we see fit. Those who regard him rightly with humility and honor will understand his presence and power as a blessing to his people. But those of us who arrogantly seek to use or commandeer him will face destruction. I know this is a sober message this morning, but we need to, we need to see this. And I want to ask, how are you approaching the Lord? Do you approach him as someone to be used for your own will? Like the Israelites sending the presence of the Lord in the form of the ark into battle and recognizing this is not something that was authorized? Or do you approach him as the Lord who rules over your life, who is to be submitted to? How you approach him will impact not only your perception of his presence and power, but also the function of his presence and power in your life. If you approach the Lord as a means to an end instead of the end in himself, do not be surprised when what you perceive to be a blessing actually brings great pain and destruction in your life. God won't be trifled with. You approach God as the great God over all, the Lord of heaven and earth, or you better not approach him at all. The story of the ark of the Lord among the Philistines should remind us of this reality. You don't mess with God. You don't play around with him. You don't seek to use him or manipulate him. But it also ought to remind us of our need to approach the Lord in and through Jesus Christ, the one who has come to us. The one who grants us to boldly approach the throne of grace with a right perspective, in humility, seeking to honor him for who he is and what he has done in this world for us and our salvation. If we would approach him, we must approach him as God, as Lord over all, in humility and honor and in faith not with some sort of mechanistic idea that I'm going to make him do what I want. God does what he wants. He is the God who is in the heavens, who sits and does everything that he pleases. If we approach him like that, we can be sure that we are approaching him and that we will know his blessing through his presence. But far be it from us to approach him in thinking that somehow he must do what we want. It is a dangerous, dangerous thing to think that God is somehow required to be submissive to us. To that end, I would encourage you to pray with me that we might have a right regard for the presence of the Lord. Father, Lord, help us. Help us to view you and see you rightly. Lord, that we would bring our thoughts in submission to your thoughts, our ways in submission to your ways. That, Lord, that we would, Lord, we would not approach you like some sort of genie who just grants us our wishes with no regard for how those wishes and desires accord to your will, Lord. Oh, we, 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 Lord, we want to pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, great, sanctified, be your name. Lord, let your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Not our will, Lord, your will. Humble us. Grant us to honor you. Lord, and and not be like the Gadarenes or the Philistines that when they encounter your powerful presence at work, we view it as dangerous. Lord, your power and your presence at work is dangerous to our will when it's not in submission to your will. But, oh, Lord, grant us not to miss the blessing of being submitted to you as our Lord. Father, let let these thoughts animate and empower us and reflect Um, be reflected in us even today. Lord, we pray that you would get the glory, that our hearts would not be hardened, but that, Lord, in humility, we would bow before you. Lord, we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now our blessing, which comes from the book of Revelation. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the rulers of the kings of the earth. Be blessed today. Go in peace, reflecting upon the truth of God's word. And I'll see you back here again on Monday for a verse, a comment, a prayer, a blessing. Thank you. Have a great day.